Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's second episode of Fighting Words. I'm dropping a lot of episodes this week because I feel like I have a lot to say, and hopefully it's helpful. Um, so thanks for the for those of you who've been tuning in. And again, I've made requests if there's... I'm, we're going really current issues right now. Um, and I've made requests if you have issues, questions, topics that you'd like for us to discuss, we'll do. Please, so just send those to me on Facebook and uh or somewhere else donovan at redeemerhome.com you can also send stuff there donovan at redeemerhome.com um today i'm joined by keon carter you know hi hi um your name has a cadence that you know what's been in my head when i think of your name what's that clarence cutter do you know who that is i don't think so okay i won't pull up it's a pretty nasty song from like the 90s or something just some some song in my head for years but it has that keon carter clarence cutter same thing that is not what my mom named me after no 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 no. (laughs) what 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 did she name you after um actually my dad named me um okay and it was uh it's actually from um he worked at john deere and there was um a guy from um vietnam that uh, worked with him and he um his name was keon i think probably spelled like k-i-a-n and so he was like that's a cool name and then he named me keon cool spelled k-e-e-y-o-n yeah have you ever met another keon um not in my generation but in um like so teenagers now okay are are being named keon after you maybe i you You never know i'm i'm just just trying to start the trend you know what i'm saying so donovan it's it's more common than keon but it's not that common growing up i never met any other donovan but then the only other times i met other donovans they're always black guys yeah and you even think of famous ones like donovan razor ruddick or donovan McNabb. yeah yeah and so i have a theory okay so if you look up the name meaning it's it has scottish or gaelic roots but the name means brown warrior okay so you kind of brown a little bit. I just got back from Florida. Okay. So, no. So, but not necessarily for me. But I could see maybe that's why people are looking up baby names. They're like, "That's my brown warrior." So, yeah. You don't hear that a lot. Um, Keon Carter. So, I don't know you terribly well. We talked a few times. We've had a coffee. We've had a Zoom call. Met you several years ago. Uh, but you're a brother in the community, a fellow laborer of the gospel, and a church planner now. Absolutely. And so there's just so much that overlaps and. And uh, in terms of what's going on in the world and and um, a voice, I believe, that can contribute to the conversation. So I wanted to talk to you uh, and invite you to talk about, well, current issues, right? What's going on yeah. and particularly more about the Floyd issue and the protests, not the pandemic stuff. The pandemic's done. I don't know if you realize that. It's, <laughs> it's over, man. Um, uh, every once in a while, I see a little, uh, little article or something, but they've gone radio silent. And... I mean, it makes sense. There's some urgent, urgent things going on right now nationally. So I wanted to, to talk to you, uh, to ha- have your you know, perspective on the conversation, particularly, well, because you're black, because you're a Christian, because you're a pastor, because you're a church planner. And one of the things that has been on my heart is, and this is just kind of recently in the last few days, is this. I get frustrated when I 
Uh, let me let me figure out how to put this. I don't. I have not done a good job of equipping my people to have a biblical worldview and a biblical language for addressing uh, social justice issues. Hmm. Okay, and what that leads to then is people getting that education elsewhere, hmm. and that's frustrating, right? I'm like, I don't look. I'm not a socialist, man. And I don't get excited when I when I see movements of Marxism, which are which are uh, they're active, they're out there, and part of what they do is address social injustice. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing they're addressing. Um, and I don't like the whole implication of where they're headed, and like look, I'm not going to go big into it right now. But I'm not a Marxist. But have I? To, to me, the challenge is why is that language and narrative then appealing? To people and I believe partly it's because I we as a church have not given them the an alternative mm-hmm. so I was talking with Joe Brinkman yesterday and I just asked him who are the prominent voices so if I if I say uh, who would I send my people to as a trustworthy voice biblically gospel-centered and yet seriously engaging uh, social issues and oppression and systemic issues and the answer is I don't know mm. why don't I know so I'm just starting with that that's a confession it's something that I haven't developed in, in a and Joe mentioned John Perkins who is I believe the founder of the CCDA mm-hmm. the Christian Community Development Association. Association so we'll I want to go and talk about that as well yeah. and I watched a couple videos uh, of him on YouTube and I'd like to share a little bit of one today actually and I was like oh okay this is good this is a good start so part of what I want to do is help equip my people I was sitting with one of my pastors yesterday um, or two days ago and he says uh, I don't know what to do hmm. like are we just supposed to do nothing is it just the gospel right and we're gonna talk hmm. about that well just preach the gospel <laughs> man like okay um, he's like he knows that's not right because yeah. he knows <clears throat> that the gospel leads to transform, transformative action, right? Absolutely. Um, and we can tease that out a bit. Um, but beyond that, he's like, what do I do? Hmm. Do I just move into the hood? Do I you know, adopt a black kid? He's like, I don't know. And then he's even taken it to the point of like, what if his church members come to him and say, what do I do? And I would just say, I have probably some go-to quick answers, but it's not developed enough. and. Hmm. And that's a disservice to my people. It's a disservice to the world that they walk in. Hmm. So just starting off with that, and I think based on my, our previous conversation and, and your particular focus with your church and the organizations that you're connected with, I think that you can help us. Hmm. So that's why you're here. Sheesh. So help us. That was like 10 topics. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So now we're going to go back through it and exegete them. Yeah, yeah. So, oh man, that is a lot there. But I want to want to open up with kind of where, where my heart is and and, and why, uh, well, yeah, why you're here. So there's a lot there. So let's back up here a little bit. And um, you are, uh, you know, give me a five minute bio on Keon Carter. Can you do that? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm from Waterloo. Um, uh, grew up on the east side, uh, which is. Uh, uh, the the more of the urban side um, uh, a lot of poverty um, uh, uh, a lot of minorities live on that side of the Waterloo um, uh, 
And so, yeah, I grew up four brothers, four sisters, big, big family, faith, uh, faith family. Um, uh, I personally found Christ at age 12. Um, we didn't really go to church. Um, um, we were a part of, we, my parents were very religious, but they, they kind of, we had this kind of house church where they wanted to train us. Um, but we did go to a church uh, during funerals and in different special times. And so um, that church was um, uh, and is still existing. It's called Payne Church, um, which my grandfather actually. Did you say Payne? Payne Church. Payne Memorial Church. P-A-Y-N-E? No, no, no. Or actual Payne? No, no, no. That's dark. No, it's not. It's not P-A-I-N. That's Suffering Church. But that might be something. Uh, it might be might be a good name, and so anyway, yeah, and so like, uh, gra- uh, graduate West High. I um, I went to Wartburg, graduated, um, ended up graduating at Iowa State. Uh, lots of uh, ministry opportunity, um, and, and and lots of people pouring into me. Uh, actually, from the Salt Network uh, and Body of Christ Church, which I I would call my home church, Body of Christ Church. Uh, in Ames, Iowa. Um, shout out Pastor Turan. Uh, but uh, and in that time of my in my kind of my college years, I, I was just really being challenged in my faith. I, I'd already accepted Jesus. I was already following him, but just really like starting to meet people, especially within the uh, the white evangelical world, where my um, theology was was maybe pressing up against their theology not in necessarily wrong ways or anything just like just we were sharpening each other um and so um spent some time in china for six months um with the salt uh, leading a, a team with the salt network um so that was kind of foundational and like man i want to do like mission work like that kind of umbrella of mission work like I want to I want to evangelize I want to help shape churches and things like that um help help train train people to 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 lead in church and stuff and stuff like that so um yeah um after college I I I um I worked um in social work for about three years um in Ames and then um was that what was your degree in Communication study, so okay. yeah, so kind of a psychology type of not not like communication arts, but like the study of communications, okay, and um, the way way people why people communicate the way they do, um, and so and so yeah, I worked in social work uh, for about three years, and then um, I took a job. I moved back to Waterloo um, and took a job at Target Distribution, and that's that's really when things started to to, to shake up because I had. At Target, I had three days off and at or three days on and four days off. And those four days off, I was being poured into um, and mentored by Jesse Tink, a, a pastor at Prairie Lakes. And so, yeah, um, for I was at Target for three years, and and um, yeah, um, Jesse was really just pouring into me, giving me opportunity to preach and 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 rap in ministry, uh, rap in uh, worship. I mean, um, and three and a half years into that um you know within those three years i got married um stephanie my i met my wife stephanie got married she was a um the local missions coordinator there um so she was kind of already into this community development stuff and so um and then 2015 is when i got hired as a community 
pastor slash um, youth pastor. Uh, it was associate associate campus pastor, and kind of my my areas were youth and community. And so, yeah, um, that kind of started my vocational ministry. And man, we, me and Stephanie, we've been kind of on this journey of uh, what does community development look like? What does holistic gospel look like? Meaning like, and I'm sure we'll get into to this type of conversation later, but like, just like, how do we, how do we proclaim the gospel fully and how do we demonstrate it? Like, we, the way I, I see Jesus is he 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 proclaims it and he demonstrates it or he demonstrates it and he proclaims it and it, and I think sometimes um, we've I think one thing that's been hard is I've seen like in different circles mm-hmm. people are more on proclaiming it and then some people are more on demonstrating it and I think the healthy thing is to both proclaim it and demonstrate it and I don't know if it, if there's can I make it? Can I make the problem even worse? Go ahead. I I don't think that's true. I think people just only want to demonstrate it in some ways. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because yeah. they would say, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna love my wife. Yeah, yeah. That's as good. Christ loved the church. That's good. I'm yeah. gonna fight abortion. Yeah. And this isn't everybody, but then this is the rub when when so big social issues get brought up. Well, some of them, but abortion is a big social issue, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Then we're like, hey, man, we just got to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's a meme that's been going around. It's a sin issue, not a skin issue. Mm. Someone I know shared an article, you know, basically like it's all about just preach. We just got to preach the gospel. That's where real change happens. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's true. Mm. But what does that change then look like? What yeah. do you mean change? All right. And uh, hmm. so I would just re- and I'm not complete shutting you down. I I hear you. We there is a kind of a a theoretical division in those two things. There's like camps can talk that way, but they do play it out in some ways. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I I agree. Like it really is the the just preach the gospel versus the. Um, uh, preach the gospel with your feet type of thing um, preach the gospel with your mouth or preach the gospel with your feet I say do do them both um, act it out act it out in love and and um, and demonstrations of of love and, and relationship but also proclaim the name of Jesus proclaim what Jesus has done for us um, and so I think yeah, what I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. And and I think there's a lot of reasons this gets – there's so much rhetoric, and this is why I want to do a, a better job of leading mm-hmm. the conversation where where I have a role to do that because um, there's ways these things can get messed up. Like, okay, someone says, hey, we're to live out, you know, the gospel. Okay, that means seeking social justice. Okay. That means – Voting for Bernie, hmm. and and people go whoa 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 whoa. You're not you. If you love Jesus, you'll care about the poor. Therefore, mm-hmm. vote for Bernie. It's mm-hmm. like there are people who sincerely believe that would not be helpful. Mm-hmm. There's people who sincerely believe it would be, but it it, it gets complicated, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Or uh, care for the oppressed. Therefore affirmative action 
maybe affirmative action would be a good thing, maybe not. There's probably pros and cons in different places. But, but I think sometimes what happens is the conversation gets pigeonholed. Hey, here's a thing that's designed to help disadvantaged people. Mm-hmm. If you love disadvantaged people, this is what you need to do. If you don't, you're not living out the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, that's... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah. But th- that's just one example of how this gets really convoluted, yeah. and that's why I think we need to have a lot of conversations yeah. about it. Um, so let me just sum that up real quickly by saying, yes, we, I would teach and affirm that the primary issue is a heart issue. Um, and here's another kind of corollary. That doesn't mean that we don't restrain evil. So the, mm. God gave the law for a lot of reasons, and one of them is to restrain evil. Listen, my kids, I want them to fully love Jesus and live that out and love one another. They're not going to do that, so I am going to restrain their evil, mm. right? Mm. And there's a role for that in society as well. Yes, ideally, if we just preached the gospel and everyone believed and loved each other, like that would be great. That's not going to happen, so there needs to be some restraint on evil. There needs to be laws, just laws, mm-hmm. and we go down that path. But, um, you know, because that's, a, that's a, a, a saying I hear in evangelical circles. You can't legislate morality. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I agree, you, telling people what to do doesn't change their hearts. But it's not that simple. There's more at play here. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to restrain evil. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and in different ways, we, we, I don't know if we're going to get into the whole police thing today, maybe. But okay, we kind of rabbit trailed. You were telling your story about uh, you and Stephanie, and you're uh, wrestling with the question of then how do we live out the gospel, yeah. right? Like, yeah, not just with word and deed. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and and um, <clears throat> yeah, we we that's when like CCDA started um, kind of getting in our radar like oh so what is that so for CCDA is a Christian Community Development Association and it's really an association that exists to to help um, help leaders help local leaders to um, live out the gospel holistically um, and um, and tr- uh, learn they exist to uh, train, learn, and inspire uh, people, especially in uh, the the under resourced areas, um, uh, on how to uh, engage community and uh, community development um, in those areas. So, like some of their components or some of their key um, things are, um, you know, reconciliation, um, relocation. What does that look like? Um, leadership development, like indigenous leadership development like when you're looking at a a a um under-resourced community a lot of times <clears throat> the way we look at them is there are no resources there right we even call them under-resourced communities whether well, there are resources there are there is leadership there is um assets uh and, and gifts and god is there as well um and so how do we train those leaders to not just um I'll put it this way. I grew up in the hood. The thing that is being said or talked taught to us is get out of the hood. This is a desolate place. You know, what good could could come from Nazareth type type of thing. So whenever people get out or get an education, they leave, they never go back to that hood or a hood. And so if the best leaders are always leaving, 
no wonder there's it's a under-resourced community and that's that's been kind of the um that's been kind of the the trend for for years right and so this is saying man like god like first of all god exists here um uh, there are no um there are no god forsaken places there are only church forsaken places there are only there are only you know places where we are not um going um and so there's that leadership development um, piece that really shook me like that shook me as an african-american um because again i'm taught to leave the hood you get out of the hood that you that's, that's every story like i i made it to the nfl you know what i'm saying I, I made it i'm never going back or i i made i got i got an education i'm going to go to the to this place or that place and like we're, we're taught to like leave that and so that was huge um and so like those principles really really um helped shape or give give language to kind of what was in me like man i i feel like i want to do community development in in my my hood or or, or any other hood that god places us in and and so that's when we really started to really connect with people who were uh, were able to give us language to that um and so yeah so we we're at um prairie lakes for um man I was at Prairie Lakes for like a year, and then that particular site got closed down um, and merged with another church, um, and I was there for about five months, and then I transitioned out of that um, into Veritas. So this is 2017 by now, and so I got hired on Veritas for uh, a community involvement. Um, and then fast forward to now, um, as of January, 2020 um we are now uh on our way planting a church in wellington heights community church um yep yeah so good so we'll <clears throat> we'll talk more about that and your particular church um now just found your website here joining god and reconciling all things is that your mission statement yep um Good. So we'll come back to some of that. I want to, I want to get back to some of those general principles yeah, that that, yeah. that come out of CCDA and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, new church in Cedar Rapids, uh, doing work in Wellington Heights. So that's a that's a neighborhood focus, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's focused on a neighborhood, not exclusive to the neighborhood, right? Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. This is so you mentioned. Uh, feeling challenged to not leave the hood, right? Yeah. That's what. What about people who aren't from the hood going to the hood? Like, uh, well, just generally speaking, like, is that all right? Is that good? Is that maybe not good? What, is what do that, you mean, like relocating to the? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Or, or moving. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you're saying, man, don't leave the place you're at. Like, let's keep the the leadership gifts and the you know. But there's is there also a role then in uh okay but other people who want to oh, come here and invest in, in in incarnate and yeah I think I think I mean that's that's one of the the principles is relocation and really there's there's relocators there's returners and then there's remainers so like mm. remainers are the people who don't have the opportunity to ever leave anyway like that's most of the people who live in the hood and then there's returners there are people like me who got out got an education, you know, got some resources, and then uh, had, are, are asked or, or dedicated their lives wherever God places, whatever city God places me, I'm going to, my family is going to be committed to um, that, that um, 
urban area or that that place with the most tension stress you know most desolate and then there's relocators and so definitely um i think there's a there's a there's a call for people to relocate um i think that th- i think that there's some steps to take um and we we could talk for a long time with this but i think to, to make it quickly the, some the steps to take is if you are feeling like you want to move um to an urban area um really look at um really look at first relocating your heart so what does that mean that means start changing the place where you play in the park start changing the place where you uh go to restaurants start start showing up in the neighborhood start getting to know that neighborhood um that's it's it's very similar to um if you're checking out going to another country you're, you're going to make a, a few trips you're going to get to know the people right to build some trust get some get acclimated a little bit um before you before you start to move just i, I would say do that and i think if you move um um i think that really taking some time to listen to the neighborhood g- get involved with what's going on uh, don't come in trying to fix um, fix things. Um, there are people who are there that have been there, have been doing work, hard, hard work, good work as well. And those are the people you just want to kind of sit under um, and, and really learn from. A lot of times, people will relocate and they they either um, they either like try to lead and then get burned out because they haven't listened, they haven't learned what they really need to learn. Especially because it's probably going to be a, a different people group so you need to learn just a different the different culture um but so so there's people who try to lead and then there's people who relocate who um kind of will like okay this is my fortress so i live in the hood but i don't actually live here i just kind of reside here and so i really i think there's a lot of humility that that it, that it takes especially if you're if you're if you're relocating to a place that you're not familiar with, if it's not your culture, it's not your. Let me ask you this, because I've seen over the years uh, different. Uh, would you call them a uh, relocators? And uh, I think part of the challenge sometimes is that there's still a a strong. I mean, you can't erase all of it, but there's a, like a very obvious, strong cultural difference between them and their neighbors. You're talking about family patterns or parenting patterns or stay-at-home moms or yeah you know like um so what you 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 were talking with my wife earlier about uh you know church planting in wellington heights and and she was asking if you were getting financial support from some organizations and you said particularly not the organization some of the organizations you work with and part of that is philosophical saying that you really need to I guess be like your community would be one way to put it, right? Just coming in with your $100,000 a year job, benefits, four weeks vacation, <laughs> travel package, all this stuff. But pastoring the community would be really weird, you know, to put it. And so to be in a place where you, what I called incarnation, to actually yeah. incarnate, like Jesus actually took on flesh. He actually like lived among us and lived like us. Do you see... Uh, that is necessary like if you're gonna relocate like do you need to live like you know quit your hundred fifty thousand dollar a year job and and get your you know two part-time jobs and like live like the people you're trying to be with or is that I think am I, I mean, going too far with that or? I think I mean I think that's a 
I think the quitting your job is an extreme, but uh, <laughs> but I think there is this reality of like the closer you are to people, the closer you'll you'll um when their issues will become your issues. Um, the, like if everyone around you is struggling to make rent, but you never had to think about that. Yeah, you know, like you, now now you you realize that, and I think I think so. To your question of incarnational, I think I think absolutely there are some. There's some sacrifices that, um, and uh, the sacrifices might not even be the word, but there are some things that you're going to want to like. Um, I was just say sacrifice to, oh, yeah. to adjust to help, adjustments. Yeah, adjust. Yeah, to to help uh, understand what's going on. Now, and to be fair, that's that's with any community. That's that's there's there's always a little of that going on anyway. There's this almost like assimilation type of thing, um, but. Um, I I would say that in the black community, um, when it comes to like um, um, I, talking about church planting, I, I think that most uh, I would say there's a lot of African American churches that are the pastors are bivocational. Um, they are um, they are um, you know supporting their family from another. Uh, another job um, there is this there is this like the pastor relates to the people because he also works like the people in the same shifts as the people um, that's not like that's not a rule it's just it just is and there, that helps with how to teach the people because you know exactly what's going on um, um, and so I think that um, even with um, with the way in which we're planting where where we are, um, we rely on the the donations of of, of partner churches, partner nonprofits. Um, it's it is this re, this this different like type of unity. It's, it's this this and it's it's this different type of faith that you have to have too. Because you have to. One of the things I'm I'm learning even in, in fundraising is that it's all about relationship. Because even if somebody funds you, like that fund that fund especially with a with a church or an organization or a nonprofit like you 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 realize that it's far more about than ongoing relationship than it was the fund all along cuz cuz i think a lot of times their relationship informs their partnership right like and so a lot of times people are trying when when you're trying to earn a living through fundraising it's at first it's like man god i need i need I need churches to do this, but then once you get into it, it's like, man, no, I need, I need relationships. I need help. We need unity. We need um, these things. And so I think with CCDA, yeah, when, when they're kind of saying like, man, or when they're not like funding us, but they're giving us tools for a long the longevity yeah, of yeah. our church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even if because here's the thing, even if you join a network and they do help fund you. So we've had some funding from like say SBC at times. Um, eventually the funding for the new work runs out. Hmm. They're not gonna fund you perpetually. Some organizations may depend on, but as a whole, that's, it's usually the kind of startup. Hey, we'll give you a few years, get you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but the question is, do you want to lock arms with these people for 20, 30, 40 years? Mm. Well, if you take their money and run, I guess, that's that'd be real shady. But 
at the end of the day, that's the real question. Who can you partner with? Is what you're saying. Like, yeah. who can we lock arms, have synergy, you know, equip each other, encourage each other, yeah. sharpen one another. And if there's some money that can help, great. Uh, but the other thing really, really is more powerful. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about CCDA a little bit. Again, this is new to me. Um, uh, let's see. John M. Perkins, I kind of heard him mention before, but I don't know a lot about him. Like I said, I've watched a couple of uh, videos. So John M. Perkins, he's old, man. Yeah, yeah. He's born in 1930. Is he still alive? Yeah. He's yeah. 90. Yeah, yeah. We actually had him in Waterloo in 2014. Yeah, he, he preached and he... Yeah, we we hosted him. So he he's he he might be ninety, but oh no, he's fire. Oh man. So let me just read the quick uh, Wikipedia intro. John M. Perkins is an American Christian minister, civil rights activist. Uh oh, both. Uh, Bible teacher, best-selling author, philosopher, community developer. He's the founder and president emeritus of the John and Vera May Perkins Foundation with his wife Vera May, also known as Grandma Perkins. He is the co-founder of the Christian Community Development Association. Despite being a third grade dropout, Perkins has been recognized for his work with 16 honorary doctorate degrees, blah, 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 blah. Okay, um, so I watched this video on YouTube. I'll share it. It's a 20 minutes long. It's called Redemption, the John M. Perkins story. Have you seen this? Yeah, and I think they're going to have a newer one out too. Okay, well, so in general, you know, he you know, grew up in back when America was great. <laughs> You know, and uh, it was it was incredible. Um, <laughs> but so he experienced, you know, some racism and was literally assaulted. He got, I think, it was police officers or at least some bunch of white men beat the tar out of him. Like he thought he was gonna die. He went to the hospital, and I remember. And part of the story is him saying he was in this hospital being cared for by white people, and he didn't want to. He just wanted to hate them. Yeah, I mean that was a transformative thing. Yeah. being loved by those he wanted to hate. He said, yeah. and. Uh, so I just want to play a clip here. It's about a minute long of just him sharing some stuff here. Uh, yeah, I think it's very easy in a racialized society to react. And, and our reaction will be just as bad as the initial uh, action in most cases. Whatever it is, we got to do it together because that's the nature of the problem. The nature of the problem is that we're divided. If you if you would just decide to get together, the kids, and throw them out there, white, black, Jew, and Gentile together, they would have a good game. they play a good game without us. We gotta do it together. The responsibility has gotta be ours. Sunday morning at 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour of the day because blacks are in their black churches and whites is in their white churches. And so what we call fellowship is not really fellowship at all. It's furthering the problem. It might be so complex that it's not one thing we do. They might be hidden in our togetherness. One blood. And that's why I might have said, uh, I want to preach a gospel that can save white folks and black folks in our misery. <laughs> to, to, to save us maggots. Who wants to kill each other? 
Maggot. What's up, Maggot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's other videos you can. I mean, this guy's preaching the biblical gospel. I mean, there's this clip on YouTube about strict blood atonement. So if, if you're worried about, is he a liberal? Like he's not. Um, so you can hear his not passion. Everybody who cares about people are liberals. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's messed up. Um, you gonna cut that out? Huh? No, I like it. <laughs> um, what do you think of? Uh, so that's just this beautiful, inspiring. And, and again, who, who, for me as a leader, pastor, teacher, um, if I am frustrated by narratives in the media that I don't like, and have I provided a, a sufficient alternative? And in some ways I have, but particularly in this issue. And the answer is no. And so I'm encouraged to keep learning more about him and this organization yeah. and looking into their resources and things like that. And um, what do you think about what he said about the churches being segregated? Like, I've kind of, I talked about this with Joe a little bit re- yesterday, but um, I mean, it's obviously true. Is that bad? So. I would say that it is bad because of the the core of it. The Holy Spirit wasn't the 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 the, the source in our segregation, right? The, the the segregated the segregated churches. So to go back in history, what 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 divided us was obviously slavery, Jim Crow. Then even in the civil rights movement, when the papers were signed, we even if you look at if you look at historical documents, we eat, we divided even more. And so those places we we were dividing or, or you know, you talk about white flight, um, you talk about socioeconomic uh, flight and things like that. If you look at the uh, dot map dot com, you'll see um, you can look up every city. I spent hours on the dot map dot com. It's the demographics of every city. And it's blotches of people, and those people, so like those white people are over here, those black people are over here, that represents black churches, black shops, black whatever, white schools, white you know all of that stuff. And so the divide, what what um hmm. what got the divide to happen, what what got white churches and black churches to happen, um, the source of that power was hatred, fear, um. Um, us versus them I'm not going to be by those people that's interesting and so we have to look at it you have, we have to be fair we have to be fair when we look at why like why Sunday is the the, the most segregated day it did it didn't just happen because preference it happened because of our society you know um, it happened because of our history it you know and so so it is different than um you know, let's just say you go to a picture of Paul preaching the gospel all around the Middle East, and there's different pe- people groups and things like that. And uh, now a church pops up here, and a church pops up here, and it has its own culture, and they have their own culture. Like, part of me goes, "Well, that's actually great. That's the that's the manifold beauty of God showing up in different cultures." But the, but that's different. The root is different. It isn't 
that's what you're saying that the 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 that's not how it happened here it wasn't like there just happened to be some black folks in texas and some white folks in oklahoma and churches yeah. propped up like yeah I there's mean, this whole history that leads to that yeah and uh <laughs> was that that old man next door doing some stuff <laughs> no <laughs> no so that like, guy's as old as john perkins is he, is yeah he, yeah hey i want to i want to i want to be weed whacking at that age Nah, so like we do need to realize that that history exists today it didn't just disappear like people think that like we're post-racial and and that like somehow when the the civil rights things were signed um that racism just erased from the hearts of every man and woman and in the church well we have to look at church history too church had a huge part when it um when it comes to the racial divide we we have to look at that um and it and it and it has to do with where we are today and so um when he when he said sunday's the 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 most segregated day of the week i think the average person would say man like that is true but like isn't it because of preference or like you know there's different denominations and like and it's like no not at all not at all because if that were the case if that were the case shame on us because man just preference could separate us right like i don't know man i might push on that a little bit like it like you can't have it's almost like you're saying you can't have a culture so for example no no um, no. yeah i know i know what you mean so like let's say um yeah yeah go ahead no yeah yeah i i I, what i'm saying what i'm saying is if you look at the magnitude of white and black churches and white and black areas, right? If it was just, preference, right, right, right. I'm saying it's not just that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Right. Right. I'm being, I'm being extreme. If it was just preference, then wow, that that was enough to divide the church. That was enough to like get us to not even like hang out with. Each well, other. people are pretty petty, man. You can't even like. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I don't like the music. I don't like... Because yeah. here's the other thing. When you get into... All right. So I I think you can have multi-ethnic churches. I don't know if you can have multicultural churches because cultures really, really actually... Uh, so like talk about leadership. What, there's leadership cultures. How can those two leadership cultures actually function together? It's like, it's, um, So like one one place where you and I, I think, could not do church together. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is theological, but culture. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty hard complementarian. You're not, you're not there with me. You're more, more egalitarian in those ways. Right? Is that I, fair? I would say I'm complementarian. Um, yeah, but would you define, you say complementarian without hierarchy. Yeah. Which is this code word for egalitarian. Here, let's just no, put it, let's no, just, let's get fair. past the, let's just get past <laughs> yeah, the code I, words I and just let me ask you this. Would you have women pastors? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I mean. And I wouldn't. That, how are we going to do that together in a church? I, I, I think that. Like, I think there's some things that just, you just can't. Yeah, but like, like, I guess what I'm saying is there's there's this working together as staff. Let's just call it staff. But then there's partnership together too. The people, well, I, the people okay. who I st- I'm staff with, yeah, they have to they have to be. We have to be um, um, congruent with the way in which we're going to um, carry out our mission and our and our and our beliefs and things like that. The people who I partner with, they don't 
that that doesn't that right, right right right. But that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Though I'm talking about like being together in one church and and how multicultural is actually really. I don't. I think when people say multicultural, they actually mean multi-ethnic. I they, mean, I mean multicultural. Okay, so yeah, so push on me here. Yeah, so yeah. So because because there's because culture is more than our music, our um, yeah. our, our race, yeah. our food. Yeah. But that's kind of the simple approach exactly. to culture, right? It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I love other cultures. You mean you like going and eating their food? But like, there's different culture also. Uh, applies to different ways we view time, different view, view, view ways we view uh, power, different ways we view personal space. Like, yeah. Um, and I think some of those might be insurmountable, like in in the same organization. I Maybe mean, some of them we'd have to die to some stuff. I guess, right? It's like there yeah, has to be a death. There has to be a mutual death to one another. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying it's like, it's not as simple as like. I don't think it's simple at all, and that's why we don't want to pursue it. That's why a lot of churches don't want to pursue it. And I, and and I and I say to that, I, I say that I say to that like, like oh, multi. I'm not saying that every church is called to be multicultural, in a sense of. Like if like let's Ooh. say let's say it this way. I'm not saying that I'm not a um I'm not dogmatic saying if you're not multicultural you're not following Jesus. That's not where I'm at. But I do think that we are Well there just should probably be at least we can safely say there should be more than there is. There should be How about absolutely that? more than it more than there is. And I think I think that um like for us, like as we develop as a church, uh multicultural church and leadership first and congregation second, you know, I just put in, like because I, I I really believe that it has to show in leadership, and you don't you don't just like pick this person because of this or you pick this leader because he's black or Latino or anything like that. You 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 are in relationship. You it, it ref, you're, sometimes I think the way we're going, our, our leadership reflects our relationships as well. But well, there has to be cultural unity. Yeah, because here's what I'm, and maybe we're we're parsing this differently, but like when I look at your website, that your worship, reconciliation, neighborhood development, that's part of your culture, mm-hmm. right? Which transcends race. You're saying anybody here, I don't care what color you are, absolutely, yeah. But this is culture, yeah, right? This this isn't just these are the values that we uh, want to walk in. Yeah, the outward implication of these of these mm-hmm. values starts to build a culture. Yeah. That is, yeah, and so yeah, you you do have this piece where it's like, hey, this is. I'll just say like this: these are the things that we're, these are the things that we're. We can like, be multicultural going, about going to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. These are the things that we're going to do, and some of those things are multicultural. Right? right. Like we're going to be multicultural, and then everything else, man, we're fluid. We're mm. fluid in like like for instance like if our neighborhood reflected. Uh, 60% bur- people from Burma like we we're going to we're going to learn uh what it what it what it is to be Burmese right like and so for us and for for us that's not that's not something that might sound like well duh I would do that too that's not something that like I think I think a lot of white evangelical churches are willing to do because it it, it I think it can sound Threatening. It might. Yeah, I think it can sound threatening um, to. Um, is that just a white thing? I mean, I mean, certainly black churches also struggle with being multicultural, reaching out to the Asians in their neighborhood or whatever. Like. Absolutely. I don't think that there's a lot of again going back to the going back to the um, 
the dot map. I don't think there's a lot. Not here. You'd have to go to other areas. Like yeah. You go to Chicago, and you're going to have adjacent communities that are yeah but even you know, in those are they're clumped and they that's the latino area that's, that's what i'm the saying asian area and so the churches are asian that's what i'm saying yeah. so we all have so we all have issues of preserving our own right. culture i would i would say that with the white evangelical church being a church that um like has money power had the the historical um um, the history of being able to to reach out more. There's a um, there's a special onus there. I would I would yeah. agree with that. And so and so what I'm saying is it does it does strike more tension. And I think I think um, b- because structures are old. The, the the way in the way in which the evangelical church. I, I'm I'm being kind of general generalizing a little sure. bit. Sure, but. but that's what we do, man. We got to generalize. Yeah. No, no, we don't. No, but no, you kind of have to. It's yeah. like, what you, that's, everyone isn't the same, but there are trends. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? So absolutely. there are trends absolutely. that we can talk about. As a whole, uh, black people in the U.S. Are, are more poor and impoverished than, does that mean they all believe the same thing? And that's one of the things I, that, uh, you know, I think we have to be careful. We say, you, you know, the, the black voice, like, well, who do you mean? Yeah. You know, like, there's a there's some unity and some common experience, but there's also some not, yeah. and so we gotta be careful with that. Um, uh, but yeah, there are also broad demographics that yeah. that have truths. I, I think one one more piece on multicultural. Sure. I I, I know the the idea for me is like there is this dance. I like this instead of like assimilating. There is this dance of like you step here, I step here. We're dancing, and I feel like. It's all under the this idea of uh, covenant community. Like, okay, so we're if I'm going to have somebody on our leadership team, obviously I'm going to have known them for a while. Like I'm like that's that's how we're going to recruit leaders. But they're going to already be. Uh, this is I think this is church leadership 101. Like they're already going to be being discipled by us or raised up by us, and then. If they show like they that they are um, someone who is potential a potential leader, we're going to grab them up. And so, uh, within those community, those small groups, they are they are just multicultural anyway. I mean, right. the small they've already that, demonstrated that this is a value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, I don't think anybody in in our leadership team is going to. Um, n- like bump heads in our on our like top values right right you filter um, for that yeah and so multi in that way multiculturalism in the church as a whole can work out because the or at least in the leadership can work out um but in i think i think even more than than staff is partnership though like it is important for me it is important for for wellington heights community church to partner with white churches to partner with like redeemer churches. yeah like redeemer what does that mean i think i think partnership is this about money it could be <laughs> it could be i'm broke i'll tell you that hey, right now but hey give me your, but give keep me, coming give back me your, give me your writing routing them no i'm joking but, but i honestly do believe that there's more to to that than funding because let's say redeemer wanted to help fund and then boom two years that's generally how we help fund start fun stuff and then you know it starts and then it runs out but but beyond that, what do you mean partnership? Yeah, what does it look like I, for a partnership? I think, I think that I think that what partnership means number one is relationship. 
Um, so what is what is a relationship, an ongoing relationship look like learning what your what what your passions are, where you're at and you learning what our what our passions are. Right. And I think that when we learn each other, then that will that will show you and that will show me what the, the partnership can like actively look like. So we don't we don't say like we wouldn't say like. I, like if I, I have talked to a few churches and they're like, what what does partnership look like? And the relational thing, like, you know, uh, that's that's very. I think it's I think it's very black culture. I think it's very. Um, what do you mean the relational thing? Just a relational thing in a sense of like, um, that time piece where like, man, just tell me what you need. Like that's that's not like the way in which, the which that's not the way in which. Um, a lot of African American oh. churches operate. Yeah, yeah. See, like, see what I mean? That's a layer of culture. Like, imagine having those two competing values exactly. in your church leadership. Yeah, absolutely. you know, you're like, I'm trying to build relationships, and the guys over there just cut a check. Yeah, you know, he probably. And so, so for me, I'm like, there is this piece of the relationship to where, if you just want to cut a check, you have to tell me, right? If you if you like the relationship that I want is just I just want to fund your thing, that's fine. I think that I would be, I'd be happy, but I'd be sad in that, man. There's so much more right. for both of our congregations. Right. There's so much bridge building, right? Like, we want to be a, a a bridge to where, um, maybe a, a all white church could jump into a community and learn from and and come alongside uh uh, uh and, and be friends with people who don't look like them so like where are those bridge churches like where are hmm. those, like because there's a, a lot of people in my my uh in the last 10 years have always asked me like Keon, how do i meet black people how do i you know all of these things and it's like man we actually we actually need churches to be bridge builders when 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 looking at these um you know going back to the dot map these different um these different se- uh, segregated areas in our cities like we need bridge barriers between race and socioeconomic classes so that we can um, feel safe. Everyone's really looking for a safe place to to go to. to people are looking for a safe place or they're looking for a you, you always hear this. If you if you go to some country, it's better to know somebody in that country because they're going to they're going to. Sure, and it's yeah. just like a drop up, drive down into the hood and get out and walk around, like yeah. depending on the hood. Yeah. But you're saying yeah. this is yeah, yeah. There's a there's a place, a familiar place of connection that kind of has ambassadors behind it. And that yeah. Kind of thing. And so we we want to we want to that partnership. We we want to be where wherever your passion is, wherever that church's passion is. Uh, we want to um, come alongside that as well. Maybe it's maybe it's um, racial reconciliation classes. Maybe it's poverty alleviation. Um, um, uh, simulations like my that's what my wife does um she's a consultant so she does that for you and i and sherm group and, and things like that and so she gets people an experience um and and takes people through uh these these sessions that really open their eyes and so some sometimes partnership can look like that yeah um, um but i think i always say relational because like yes we need funds and i'll ask that but like but like if that's all like that's that's not that's not what like I'm gonna do this whether I'm funded or not like I'm right. already doing it right I, yeah. I'm not funded um, and I think that um, 
you know, as we as we continue in relationship, I think God's going to show each entity what what it could look like. And I think there's some faith in that. So, yep. Um, it's good. Let's open a can of worms. Let's talk about uh, protest. Okay. Uh, was your mind and heart been like just as you've seen different developments, like anything that you feel like you really want to speak into? You've been upset. You've been bothered. You've been excited. Particularly protest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, or anything related to that. Even the uh, initial event, right? The yeah, 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 killing yeah. of George Floyd, and then really everything that has flowed out from that. Yeah. Um, yes, it's you know it's it's tragic and it's um, brings about heavy hearts for I think specifically George Floyd I, I've observed that this hit almost 90% of America in some way saying wow that was bad like you know what I mean like I, I there's I, not a lot of debate on whether or not that was a yeah 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 absolutely um, and and so I think that I think that where my heart is is that First off, I think that I, I would want to communicate that I hope people know that this George Floyd's death isn't an isolated issue. And it's not like even for I see a lot of like Black Lives Matter um, stuff, right? Like um, rhetoric from businesses to people's profiles to Blackout Tuesday, people blacking their the thing that's that's great but I, I i want i want i want to make sure people know that this isn't like just about george floyd's life so it's not like black li that black life matter we're talking about black lives matter in the sense of this has been going on for generations this has been going when on. you say this what's been going on so like the 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 dehumanization of black and brown people to to allow um, something like that to happen, right? Like the dehumanization. If you look up, like, and this is this is historical. It's not like left or right. The dehumanization of black and brown people, um, and and how we've propagated uh, the fear of black people, fear of black and brown people, um, to the point where even black and brown people are scared of black and brown people, and and we see, we we you see a black person and you 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 get you get scared or you think they're up to no good. They could be doing anything and they're up to no good. Um, there's this reality of like, you may you may not be overtly racist, right? But there is this reality of because of the dehumanization of of black and brown people, the devaluing, even the stripping of the image of God when rubber meets the road and you are scared you're going to you're going to pull the trigger sooner than you would um and, and so for for me I, I even said in a song like you know i i fear that i'm feared and i noticed when i'm in in, in i say in every single town i'm i'm the picture of of uh bad news right like and i and i I don't that's just my life. I don't I don't 
I don't care about proving that to anybody. I Because I went to Wartburg, I have a lot of friends from small towns like Riceville and, you know, all of these little, these little towns. And guess what? Like, guess what? Like, I notice you noticing me. I notice you crouching your purse when I'm in line. I notice all those things, right? Like, and I have to, as a black man, I have to cope with that, right? I have to, I have to, especially as a pastor, I have to cope with the idea that the person who I'm pastoring sometimes, if I'm talking about a, a white congregation, I'm the first, I could be the first black person they've ever talked to. I could be the first pastor, they, black pastor they've ever talked to. They're probably having all these types of, whether they be fears or questions or ignorant questions or, or even positive like things that could be could be wrong, um, could be kind of stereotypes. You know what I mean? So like for me, I think we, I think that when it goes back to George Floyd, I think I think the black community, um, and I'm not speaking for it as a whole, but I think the black community. Is, Want, wants to know wants wants the white community to know that this is like not this is usual for us like right. that George Floyd like that's like mm. these are just recorded incidences like you know what I mean like I, I I was I was talking to somebody the other day I was like man I don't, what if I would have recorded every incident that I've gone through would that help people and 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 to be honest Donovan I I did I was requested to um record or write down incidences that happened in a year and it was the most traumatic thing that I've ever done because I've learned to cope so much maybe in some toxic ways right like just kind of brushing it off that when I sat down for that hour and 30 minutes and I started writing things down I was reliving things and sin was was sin in me sin of hatred sin of i can't believe you know what i mean like was boiling up um because number one maybe i haven't dealt with it but but just those experiences those experiences like are actually traumatic let alone the other experiences that, that everybody every race goes through right and so and so I just I just want I want people to know that like this isn't like a you know I I, I hate that it, it's become like this political thing where like if you like George Floyd is not like that's I think that's what what happened I think you can't politicize someone's kneeling on somebody's neck that's not left or right that happened that's history and like what I think I think a lot of what people were saying is like we're not we're not politicizing this thing there is there is um there is this um the systematic the systematic um injustice that's going on and i think the other thing that i want to would want to get on air is there there's a lot of like man why are the why is the black community so focused on systematic change and, and police reform when they they have high black on black crime, and I've hear, I hear I hear this a lot, like man, you guys need to take care of yourselves. I mean, at its most hurtful way, and I and and I would say to that, black on black crime is just as high as white on white crime, and it's just as 
highest Hispanic on Hispanic crime because crime is about proximity. That's where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're actually cross-cultural crime doesn't happen that much. Like there, there, there are very low numbers of people robbing, killing people who they don't know. Those that's a category of serial killers and or, or, or you know what I mean and so usually crime happens within um, a a a a group of people who know each other. It's domestic crime and so and so when if you're using that like we need to get get a hold of each other, you have to use that for all of crime. And again, black black crime is um, shown far more at a higher rate in the media than uh, white crime. Then there's 73% white people in America and there's 14% black people in America. And so there, we can get into all of those like unjust numbers of a prison system and uh, the, the school to the prison pipeline and all of that stuff. But we need to be fair and saying every person, every people group need to take care of their own people. But when we're talking about when we're talking about injustice and, and justice for George Floyd, we're talking about a, a, a police system that people that that are that that um, has has a history of that. Um, All right. A couple things. Uh, yeah. Number one, the what about black on black crime? It's almost irrelevant. Like, hey, yeah, sure. That's a problem. Uh, can we just fight on all fronts? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, OK, fair enough. It's kind of irrelevant. Um, yeah. But I think the reason is because people aren't, the reason this gets polarized that way is that people, one, aren't willing to, aren't humble, willing to admit where they're, they, they're, they are wrong and, and don't want to acknowledge the nuance and challenge of this. And so it becomes like, well, who's worse? Is, is it white cops or is it black kids? It's like, well, one of them has to be the problem. And it's like, mm. well, maybe the whole thing's just jacked up mm. and there's all kinds of uh fronts that we can work on what do you say to someone who says because i've seen this go around you know well here's a video of a, a white man named tempa recently died i don't know if you've seen this go go around he died the same way white uh white guy knee on his back <clears throat> or top of his neck the guy died and the, the narrative goes uh just because they would you know there's people who make the argument that this, that this has just been race baited mm-hmm. you know like yeah cops kill people sometimes justly sometimes unjust i would say every system has injustice there's no way the there's not corrupt people in in the police mm-hmm. um <clears throat> there's no way that's not going to play out in unjust ways against those they have power over so mm-hmm. yeah um but maybe it's just a cop it maybe it's just a human issue why does it have to be a race issue why is that you know and that's not necessarily my position but yeah. i hear that like yeah, so the media ran away with it. Look, here's this is convenient. We want to push our political narrative. Here's a black guy that died. Ignore the white guy that died. Let's make this racial and let's use that to empower political narrative. Like, yeah, I think, I think when, when you look at um, the narrative, um, and you get close to um, impoverished areas, you'll you will begin to see that. Um, you will begin to hear rhetoric from not only the police so rhetoric in that like they're like against those neighborhoods um against those people um not only will you begin to to see um different rhetoric when it comes to those neighborhoods but you'll see different treatment 
And so if you look, so getting to that question, is, 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 is that cop, I didn't see that video or anything like that. But when it comes to, um, you know, the cop did the same thing he did to, to George, to a white guy. Um, there is not a, there's not a stream of um, historical um, facts that, that line up with the realities of um, um, law in general um, uh, treating black people um, in, a, in the same way as white people. There's just, there's just not. Like, it, like, I don't think that if anybody, I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, if you looked up, narr- uh, uh, you looked up mm. stories and, and things like that, if you looked up fault, raw facts, if you're, you're not even like trying to like be political or anything like that, you're just looking up facts, you're going to see those numbers. You're going to see those, if you look up police reports, those things, like I get to, I, li- I get to, um, um, I'm, I, I'm on the board of the Wellington Heights Neighborhood Association, so the chief comes in and he gives us reports and all of those things. And so if you look that up, you're going to see some disproportion. Well, Keon, that's because black folks are disproportionately committing crimes. Uh, that's, that's, another, that's, that's a can of worms. Oh, I'll just, I hear that, and I'll just shut it down real quick. <laughs> I will. Well, maybe not. It depends on if you're hard of hearing. Um, I think that's probably true. I mean, if, if, if minorities are disproportionately poor... And and crime has a relationship to poverty. Then yes, they're going to prov- pr- uh, what do you call it? Uh, commit a disproportionate amount of crimes, which is going to lead to a disproportionate amount of interactions with police. Great, but why are they doing that? Yeah. And I really think you have to. Let me simplify this, man. You either have to say it's their nature, or it's their nurture. Mm. So are we prepared to say that black folks or any group of minority disproportionately commit crime because of their genetics or is there some other explanation has something happened something has happened yeah. it's obvious so you either have to go straight up racist or you have to say <laughs> something has happened now that doesn't absolve people of their own responsibility yes. i think everybody so, every man and woman is going to stand before god and yeah absolutely and yeah. And, and give account so but this is where God is complex. Like he holds us accountable and understands us and our, and our fallenness. He, he knows that we are dust. Yeah. Right. So um, I'm not prepared to say that minority communities commit crime at a disproportionate level because of their nature. Yeah. I'm just not going there. My only other answer is nurture. Something has happened. Yeah. Something I, has happened systemically, historically, yeah. sociologically that has led to this. Because systems can influence personal behavior. Absolutely. Right. And so, like, if I if I were to say like, uh, there's a there's a there's a people think that black people commit crimes. No, what happens actually is um, people are getting com- a couple things confused. Like you said. They're, they're, they're getting confused poverty culture with black culture. So number one, people think that poverty culture is black culture, which if you go anywhere in the world, 
poverty culture, there, there's there's a lot right. of similarities. And even in white impoverished communities, they're, they're going to commit more crimes than non-impoverished white communities. Absolutely. Uh, the second thing they're the second thing they're, they're getting confused is um, that who is making the law to to say that it's a crime. So like you talk about the crack versus cocaine. Like you look up if you have crack, if you have possession of crack, man, you 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 in for ten. If you have possession of cocaine, you in for about a couple months. Well, who who does crack? Black people. Who does cocaine? Rich white people. And so, who made that law? Right. Right. So, there's an there's an example of a of a, a a law that could be examined to say, hey, is there injustice here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so, like, you you have to you have to you do have to look at be take a good look at like the like what is a law and what isn't a law. And who's making those laws? And I'll say this last piece. So, like, final word. This is the this is the this is the um, kind of the history of like the black. Um, like this is I, I'll use this. This is a history of like how the the modern gang was formed. So a lot of times, gangs in the '60s and '70s, even even the gang Crips, they were actually um, they were actually um, community leaders. They were taking care of their people, right? So when the when the uh, the civil rights movement um, laws were changed. What happened was either people were, you know, people were um, getting shot still. People were uh, black leaders were leaving because they could now um, those those areas. And so you have these people, you have these black people who, mind you, are fathers and mothers taking care of their kids. Like my mom always tells me she's she's in her 60s. I'm not going to tell her, her age. She's in her 60s. She said, I I grew up every black person had a mom and a dad right it, this is new and so what happened was mm. what happened was you have these black fathers who who in the 60s and the 70s were like man i gotta take care of my 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 wife my kids but these 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 um factory uh people aren't hiring me because of the color of my skin like they're still not hiring me just because the law changed doesn't mean the heart changed. Mm. So then at the same time, you have people pushing drugs, the drug cartel cartel. And then we, we can make this much money for pushing drugs, right? I still buy you family, right? Still buy you family. It's either you're going to be poor or you're not going to be able to feed your family or you're going to be poor. Or you're you're going to have to um, sell the push this work. And so when you push work, what happens? Well, you end up doing it. And when you do it, debauchery happens. And so then those gangs started claiming territories, right? And so cl- those th- that stuff had to do with had to do with both racism, right? Black people wanted to to work. Black people wanted to do those things. They wanted to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, right? But when they did, they were rejected. And um and they did the the next best thing. I'm gonna take care of my family, and that that kind of led to a lot of the drug stuff. And then that's when like the war on drugs happened. Well, you have all these black people selling drugs. Let's put them in jail. And so you take away the the the, the father, right? You you got the father in jail, and then you insert the welfare system. That's the the father number two. I don't need the 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 man now because because of welfare. I I. I 
I think that welfare is a is a um, good system if used right. I'm not I'm not dogging it at all. Um, but what I'm saying is like, what I'm saying is like we need to understand the structure of of why um, why some communities are 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 the way they are, and we can't just go to uh, they're just making bad choices. No, everything is systemic, and it all goes back to man. M- most people in this world they want to take care of their families they want to take care of their you know they want the their uh, unalienable rights you know and so a lot of that kind of new um kind of gang crime and stuff like that that's how it started it started because of racism that's that's there's no if ands or buts no if ands or buts Mm -hmm. no alternative Mm -hmm. narratives here keon has spoken the truth so I, I, I yeah, I've never heard of that particular angle, and I'll just yeah, just sounds sounds right to me. <laughs> no, I'm hesitant to fully endorse it, but yeah, I'm sure that the the point is this: something has happened, right? Yeah. And again, and this is where I want at least Christians, who number one, cannot theologically say that there's a difference ultimately, essentially between races. In fact, race is kind of a social construct. We are one race, the human race, right? But in terms of ethnic lines and things like that. So there's, there's not an essential difference. Number two, believe that sin has entered the world mm-hmm. and people and the world and systems of power and there's demons and uh, and racism. I mean, this, these things aren't gone. We don't live in the new heavens and new earth. So it to me, again, I, this, I repeat what I said yesterday, that there's a handful of just theological pegs that you can quickly grab onto that go, okay, uh, there is oppression in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does play along power lines and ethnic lines. Um, now, what 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 are the details and how does that play out? Like, do some research, do some reading, have some conversations, mm-hmm. and then, and not everything, you know, an oppressed person tells you is true either, you know, because they also want to justify themselves and not feel guilty and absolve themselves of responsibility, and you know, and and so it takes discernment, wisdom, and love, but but the but we need to get past simple platitudes and um, and engage people, mm-hmm. I think, is is a, a big way forward. So um, anything else you want to really hit on? Nah, man, I, I think that um, there's I mean, I, I get a lot of um, people asking me, like, what can I what can I do as a white person? Right. Um, in this time. And I think I just encourage you to like I, I encourage you to to listen just like what donovan said like come in not trying to fix or to um shape someone's um thought process but just listen i think uh, if we if, if you come in wanting to listen um and sometimes even in power i think that you'll 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 hear and you'll you'll find out what to do right and i, I think the second thing is i think the second thing is what you can do is i think you can be proactive like there's there may be things that you don't agree with but there's definitely things that you agree with like 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 sin is wrong right if if people are saying dumb stuff in your circle you need to address that because that is not from the kingdom of heaven so you need we need to we need i i think we need to to not be um, complacent when we hear rhetoric that is 
Um, and I'm not just talking about overt rhetoric, rhetoric. I'm talking about, man, when is black people going to get it together? Or, you know what I mean? Like, these. I was just wondering that this morning, man. <laughs> That's actually, I forgot was going to be my leading question, but I forgot my notes. <laughs> Ooh, you better save this. Thing. You better make sure they know you're joking, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it that there. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I feel like people need to, I think people need to, like, really. I, so you're asking me if, if you're asking me like what can I do I think you need to be proactive in, in anti-racist uh, rhetoric right like you need to um, you need to understand that like there are like hmm. you said forces that are um, that are like above you like that, that are that are like you don't you may not know that you're even taking part in it but be aware of it and then and then denounce it like denounce it because it, it, it exists People are hurting because of because of the the manifestations of racism. And, yeah, and so let me add this. Um, I think what can happen is we go to sleep on it, and uh, especially if you're not bothered. So if you're in a dominant culture that's not bothered, you can kind of go to sleep. Hey, it seems like hey, you know, just two years ago everybody was getting along fine. You know, like mm. what happened? Like the way I describe it, I think it's like a dysfunctional family that doesn't address stuff. Mm. You know, and we just go silent and we talk you know, about it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but then something happens. There's a there's a trigger event that then manifests, you know, the unhealth. The true right, stuff. Right, right, right. Oh, hey, there's no racism in America. Then why is all this happening? Like yeah. like this stuff. There's all this stuff, but in times of peace, you know, then we kind of ignore it. And so what I'm I'm following up what you're saying when you said uh, be proactive, like. Engage on these fronts even when the fire is over, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is, this is this has been a constant work of yeah. your life, you know. And right now it's it's thrown in the spotlight, but maybe in four or six months that spotlight's going to be gone, mm -hmm. maybe not. Um, but does that mean? Yeah, don't ignore underlying issues just because it hasn't it hasn't bubbled to the surface right now in a yeah. in a, in a uh, life altering way. Because people think that um, like they're. You know, like, man, there's a lot of issues to, to talk about. You can talk about abortion. You can talk about human trafficking. You can talk about, and and absolutely, you can talk about those things. Um, and m my thing is, why aren't you talking about those things, first of all? Like, well, maybe they are. Yeah, you know, there's people that are yeah. that are working on those fronts. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not, and I'm just talking for the average Christian who, like, you know, it's just using it as a deflection. Yeah, yeah, know. like we should be we should be concerned of, I think we should be concerned about a lot of things and we should be proactive on, on a lot of fronts. I think the racial thing is is maybe a, a bigger thing because it's been it's been our history. Like just look at our history. We've never taken care of the problem. We've never reconciled. We've never actually like like been um as a country, we're going to like look at this together, and we're going to say, "Man, what is going on?" And I don't think, and, and I say that to the church as well. I don't think we've done that either. And so I think we, I, have, I have hope in that because reconciliation is, is a journey. And I think sometimes people will say, "Well, you know, everything will be better when Jesus comes back." And it's like, yeah, but like, like if if you're hitting your wife, like she ain't waiting till Jesus comes right. back to. Like we need to, we need to be proactive right. now, and that doesn't mean radical. That just means, hey, learn a little bit, learn a little bit more. I learned a lot about uh, human trafficking, and now I know, like, you know, when I go to the, um, when I go to like, 
the the big malls you see those people you see those uh, human traffickers you know what i mean like so like so what i'm saying is it's it's i feel like it is our responsibility as as believers to be aware of like this the demonic things that are going on in this world um because if we're not we're just all we are is like living in this like this like bubble that we 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 know that the world is bad but we kind of act like everything is great and that's why we that's why we will say things like yeah the police are great or the you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm gonna get a bumper sticker. It's, it's, yeah. Imagine me driving around with that bumper sticker right now. The police are great. The police are great. Like, you don't believe. That. But what if it was like an air quotes though? Yeah. And then you're like confused. You don't. The police are great. I love. By the way, I have police in my church. I love you guys. Yeah. Uh, no. But, but there's some problems everywhere, right? There's yeah. Problems everywhere. And that's what I'm saying. Like, th- like when have you ever said that? Uh, institution is just great yeah like come on you don't even you complain about my church you know yeah. like church members yeah. i thought about this like you guys grumble about the pastors yeah and we're like the kindest leaders like you could possibly have and you yeah. still think we're jerks like imagine if we had sticks and guns and cages yeah and i got i got three <laughs> cop friends and oh, some they, of your best friends are cops no not some of my best oh not, some not some of my best friends, oh well of course they're cops i've worked i've worked you fine <laughs> <laughs> hey, Donovan, twisting my words. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but yeah, and so like they tell me the, they tell me the, the things that go on in the culture. Yeah. And you get close to a cop, who is willing to tell you actually what's going on in that. They'll tell you not a, not about racism. They just tell you about the dysfunction. Yeah. And they're like, man, I can't believe I gotta go to work, or you know, I can't believe this and that. And it's so like, don't don't just go out and say. Oh gosh, you know this department is great. Like, pray for your department. Well, and those guys are under pressure. I mean, to, yeah. Uh, I was talking to one of the, one of my cop buddies this past Sunday, and I feel, in one sense, some, sometimes I feel more at peace, but I feel kind of a, like a constant sense of uh, opposition. It's like a posture of my heart, and some of that's not good, but some of it's I think because of my call is like a prophetic guy. Like, yeah, I'm, there's always opposition. And I feel this low-grade, like, sense of hostility in the world. Yeah. Okay, now make that physical, mm. and your job is constantly up in opposition, right? Like, fighting, literally wrestling, yeah. arguing. Like, like that's got to have a terrible effect on your mindset and your yeah. heart. And, uh, and, not how, and, that, and there should be compassion for those people Absolutely. that are in that position. Especially in, the, in a system that was built. Like, look up the, the, the system of like how we got our police departments but a system that was built like to like we think it was built to protect it was it was actually built to like um keep in check right what's the difference protect is more like um protect has more to do with like protect and serve has more to do with well, it depends life. on who you protect you're just saying you're protecting different yeah. i'm familiar with that narrative it's to protect the rich from the poor yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, yeah. that's what, what <laughs> but i think i i'll say this uh, this sentiment for 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 police i think that much like teachers police are um like they are p- taking on a lot of different job roles that they're not ready for and i think that hmm. i think that you take a guy I'm, I'm picking on riceville so if you if you from riceville i'm sorry you take a guy from riceville right who grew up around white people and the narrative of 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 brown people that they have is whatever the narrative is like 
either I don't know or the, the small amount that I do know isn't that good. Like that's, I mean, that's the reality. Sure. Yeah. Right. And then you take them, get them, to put them in Cedar Rapids. No training on cultural competency. No friends. No anything uh, that uh, people of color. And then the training that they get is more of like you know like um, I'd rather um, I'd rather um, I'd rather be judged by uh, twelve people than uh, be carried by six you know like that that yeah 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 you know and so like Gotta stay alive yeah and so like you have these narratives and they're not trained to even talk and I and I have I have encounters and stories of like cops doing outreach in my in my neighborhood and like saying some whack stuff to my kids and saying some whack stuff to my wife about are these the same is these the same kids are these the um you know what i mean stuff like that just like and i and i have i have some grace because they just don't know and so we put these we put these people from from small town or never really even have cross cross cultural um exposure yeah, yeah anything besides maybe sports and then we're expecting them to to not operate out of bias and implicit bias and all of this stuff and so for me i'm like we're we're people may say like cops are racist i would uh, these cops are racist i would say i would say there's manifestations there's of racism there's a big spectrum yeah yeah just like there's manifestations of adultery right like if you look at a woman with lust you've committed adultery in your heart so like I would say I would say what's more true is this this man or this woman has is operating the way he's always operated when it comes to a people group like this. And it's it's maybe the the training's fault. It's maybe I'm not taking it full fully off of the person. But it's the training's fault. It's the it's the the process of like um how we even look at that neighborhood. How we how are we looking at these people as we're going to re- rehabilitate them or we're going to look at them as um, their criminals to be to be put away. Right. Like so for me, it's a deep and complex thing. And we, we can't just say like you can't just say this cop is straight up racist because there's a lot of stuff. But you can't just say he's not racist because you you need to understand you need to understand the complexity of of uh, of our uh, uh, of not of of the division of the division like if that makes sense like yeah and biases and all that like you said it's not it's not just you are a clan member and want to exterminate all people of color there's like well there's probably actually very few of those there's probably more than we'd like but um okay here's what has to happen you just brought up a lot of good stuff i gotta go that's good i forgot i told my wife i gotta pick up my daughter at 3 30 i have 10 minutes um so minute drive in it uh, <laughs> I, it might be a little more. That's all right. She's in a safe white home. <laughs> She'll be fine. Nothing's going to happen to her. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you got to be talking to nothing but white people right now. Cause, cause <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I, I, well, I don't know. You you offended by me? My So my no, family is, uh, no. I am right now, my, most of my audience, yeah. But but even, uh, I don't know. My family is very multicultural and mm-hmm. we, and, and, well, maybe this would be your experience. Like, I think racial jokes are actually a lot more common among minorities. Like, white people have gotten pretty hard up about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you can't say. Yeah. It's like uh, that old joke. You know, you know how uh, every black joke starts. What's that? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
So for, for those who couldn't see it, he looked both. Uh, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This video, I, you gotta look over your shoulder, right? That's the that's how the joke starts and ends, apparently. But anyway, whatever. I people know my heart. They're listening to me making jokes. So anyway, let's do this again sometime. It's yeah, good, absolutely. man. I appreciate getting to know you a bit more. But I am gonna shut this down quickly, and we gotta we gotta go. So right, thanks good. to all of you for listening. Wellington Heights Community Church. They're they're online. They're on Facebook. You can reach out, learn more about what they're doing, and uh, either partnering, funding, praying, joining. Uh, there's some good work going on there. Love Keon. He's a good brother. He's trying to walk gospel with words and feet. Love it. And thank you for helping us. All right? Absolutely. All right. Bye.